All right, hey there, boys and girls. It's time for the nosebleeds once again. Rob and Ken here with you. Podcast number five. Ken, how you doing today? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. We're, 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 it's a very exciting episode. It's a milestone episode of the nosebleeds. Oh, yes. Uh, we, we're going to have our first guest. It's uh, Seth Rothman. Super from, excited. Yeah, from, from the Yes Network. He's going to be joining us in a little bit. We'll talk a little bit about uh, free agency, talk a little bit about the National Hockey League. Uh, a lot of good stuff there. He's a good guy. A lot of fun. Uh, so super happy to have him on. And uh, like we said, milestone episode, milestone number five. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how I, I don't know if I should share this with you, but Ken, the fifth anniversary gift is wood. Oh no. <laughs> well, there's, there's news about a duck. Uh, we'll get to that later. I don't want to touch that, but stay <laughs> tuned. You're going to want to hear this. Yeah, no, uh, you will. You will want to hear it. Um, All right, let's if let's you jump. You are a weird yep. person. Well, even if you're not, you might want to. I don't know. Let's jump into the NFL. Let, let's talk about some football. Week 13 has come and gone. Things have happened. Uh, let's laugh at the Chargers. Can we laugh at the Chargers? Yes. Let's let's. Uh, okay. Three, two, one. <laughs> <laughs> Losers. Um, wow, that that, that was hard to watch, man. I mean, they what they kicked a game winning, a game tying field goal with what, seventeen seconds, something like that, left. Something like that. Broncos get the ball back, deep pass, blatant pass interference call. They kick the field goal as time expires, or maybe there's four seconds, something like that. Uh, they just, win the game. Just incredible. Just the just the um, epitome of. Uh, Philip Rivers' career was that game. Yeah. But hold Does on. Enough. Ken, it, it gets funnier. Oh, good. Let's laugh at the Eagles. Uh, you mean... <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that was a genuine laugh because you scared the shit out of me. When yes. You <laughs> I did not expect you to do that. Jeez, um, man. I, listen, we can talk about... Uh, instead of talking about the football, we talk about... Uh, what's his... Oh, jeez. I forget the... Uh, Fishman, uh, it's a trap. What? Uh, oh, Admiral what, Akbar. What? Yes, Admiral Akbar. Jeez, uh, man, <laughs> the, the Dolphins. What a play! That was so much fun, man. I watched that live, um, and I was like, "What are they doing? <laughs> they are not lined up correctly." How is that uh, guy it, that open that the punter oh, can man. throw a no look pass to the kicker? It gave me like, um, it, it gave me Chuck Pagano. Uh, uh, Indianapolis Colts flashbacks where they lined up in that same formation. You, you know, I, I do have a thought about that because I'm a fan of Pat McAfee. I listen to the show a little bit. Uh, if you listen to him break down the Colts version of that play, it's completely different because a, so the, what the Colts were doing, the Colts were trying to catch the Patriots in a change. So they brought their whole punt team toward the sideline, but didn't leave the field trying to trick the Patriots into thinking they were going to change their minds and run a play instead of punt. It didn't work. And then uh, they were never supposed to snap the ball, but the long, <laughs> but I think the snapper got hurt the day before. Oh, no. And I guess no one told the, the, the replacement <laughs> snapper. He missed the memo? He missed the memo. No, You know what? What happened was Pagano, right before they went to run it, told whoever it was behind center, hey, while you're out there, why don't you try to draw them off sides? But didn't tell anyone else. So he gets behind Jeez. center, and then he snaps the ball. So that wow. play was never designed to do anything productive with the football. Um, 
Well, it, it looked similar, and then you know the, the Dolphins did something very productive with the football. They scored a touchdown. That is true. I, 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 on purpose, it was, it was I think. fun. Yeah, uh, I, I, you want another? Maybe. You want another pun on porpoise? Oh boy, we have to go. Oops. Well, it's been fun. Show's over, guys. Um, no, that that was uh, that, that was that was a fun one. That was a fun one. The Eagles blow it somehow. Though, still can probably win the division. Um, they certainly could they, only game out. Yep, yeah, when they beat the Giants this week and the Cowboys punt again. Yeah, uh, and Jerry Jones forgets that he does have the capability of firing Jason Garrett. So he does. Um, well, we'll see. Can we got one more team to laugh at? Can we do this? Yes. The New York Jets. Oh uh, yeah, that's a yeah, all right. You ready? Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> to the winless Bengals. Adam Gase somehow still has a job and Ron Rivera doesn't. Can we talk about that? Yeah, we could talk about that. that Ron Rivera should be coaching in the NFL this weekend. He should be coaching the Jets this weekend. He should be coaching either the, the Jets, the, Adam the Giants, Jets, the Cowboys. The Giants. He could actually take – I think he should coach all four NFC East teams at the same time. I, I don't understand how a, a, a team like the Cowboys or the Giants or the Jets could look at their at, at what's going on right now and say to themselves, no, we're good where we are. We don't need to proactively go get the best available coach that's been available in a long time. We'll just, uh, we'll just sit on Adam Gase for a while and see if his eyes start to work normally. Right. Well, they, they won't. They won't. I mean, look, most teams aren't going to fire someone midseason and replace him with a guy like Ron Rivera. That's something that's a change likely to happen in the offseason. Yes, but you, but you should. you can still fire the I'm guy saying. now. Yeah, but you got to go get him. Like, you got to understand that in the offseason, people are going to try and get him. Absolutely. If you, have the, if you have the capability right now of saying goodbye and then saying, hey, man, we want you so bad that we fired our coach the day you got fired, to come get you, you have that much of a better chance. Now, granted, Ron Rivera might not want that. And maybe teams have talked to the Rivera camp and he said, now nah, I want to wait until the summer, righty, whatever. I don't know that that's true. I've never, I haven't heard that. So, for my assumption, is that nobody cares enough right now to sign Ron Rivera. And that's stupid. Well, you got to look at, too, the, the teams that are going to be interested in him are in the tank right now. So, are you, do you want to give Ron Rivera Ron Rivera money right now when he's not? Yes. Gonna... Okay. You need him. You you need if you're the Giants, right? You spent the last. This is what I don't get about the. And this is like, and everybody who knows me knows I I've yelled about the Saquon pick for as long as I can because Saquon is a potentially future Hall of Famer, right? He's a fantastic running back. He's a generational talent at that position. He just is, right? Certainly. But we know what we know about running back. And we know that when the Giants are going to be good again, he's not. Yeah, very likely, yeah. Right? So what I don't get with the Giants is how you can then turn around. You can draft Saquon Barkley. You can say, wow, that speeds up our rebuild by like a million years because we have a generational offensive talent. And then you turn around you trade OBJ, right? And yeah. then draft like the, the least – potential quarterback out of the next draft. Now I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about that a little bit later, about my thoughts there. But uh, suffice it to say, I completely agree. Uh, 
And you know, so what I don't get. So let, hold on, let me finish yeah, my rant ahead. here, Rob. Yeah, finish I got my up. yell voice. My yell voice is on right now. Let me have so, it. Like, so I, I just don't understand the, the direction of the Giants, and I'm not a Giants fan. You know this. But the and I'm not a Jets fan. I'm not an anything fan. So I'm not just yelling for the sake of yelling. I'm just yelling because it doesn't make any dang sense. They're all over the map. If you thought you were getting a generational offensive talent, cannot miss Saquon Barkley. You know what you know about the running back position. You know he's not going to be this good for that long. You have to compete while he is that good. And if you're not going to, trade back. Yeah. And, and then and then trade OBJ. Right? That makes sense. If you're going to draft Daniel Jones at six, trade back. That was the easiest option for this, for this Giants team. Now, they very well could pick first overall in this draft coming up. It's certainly right? on the table if the Bengals can eke out another win somewhere. But they're going to go defensive. They're Probably. not going to draft a quarterback. No, I don't. I They're don't not going to they draft would. a running back. Daniel Jones is not close to being a productive NFL every week quarterback. I'm going to counter you on that one. He hasn't looked terrible. The turnovers are a problem. They need to be cleaned up. If you're going to, and if if NFL people are going to say, and I don't know where you fall on this, so I'm not going to direct it at you, sure. right? Talent wise, potential wise. Sam Darnold is better than Daniel Jones. Yes. And even today, Sam Darnold is better than Daniel Jones. Definitely. He just had the worst sophomore season. I mean, geez, we're watching him yeah. see ghosts, right? He's having a tough season. They had a couple of good games. They beat the Cowboys. Of course. Not that that's a high bar to clear, but yes. But yes, he's a good quarterback. He's going to have good games. Yeah. But he's not close to winning you a playoff game, Sam Darnold. No, I don't think either of them are right now. So that's what I'm saying. Like, you're going to be on year three of Sam Darnold before you can even say to yourself, this guy's getting to a place where we could potentially win a playoff game. That means year four of Sam Darnold, you're saying, we could potentially win a playoff game, right? Yeah. And when you look at that from a Giants perspective – that's year five of Saquon. Yeah. That's old. Yeah, you're definitely getting towards the end of his, his peak there. Like, if that's you're not pushing there. it. And especially I mean, with the kind of runner he is. And look how he's looked after it. his injury this year. He hasn't been the same. He's starting to kind of get back to where he was, but he's not there yet. No, not even close. He won't be this season, and then you can only speculate about how he'll be next year. So I, I it just the Giants confuse me, and Dave Gettleman, who has failed upwards his entire career to become the GM of the New York Giants, is certainly confused like at is confused at best. And he's got his old buddy Ron Rivera there, who can continue to help him fail upwards if he just goes and gets them. Because Shermer's not doing it. Shermer is not doing it, but I don't I don't think that's a Gettleman decision alone. I think ownership needs to clear that and I don't think they will well when they when Eli Manning does his final duty as a New York Giant helps them lose out then then hopefully Gettleman and Shermer will be yeah that's uh 
I have that on the slate to talk about later, but yeah, I certainly agree that that should be what happens. Sorry, I that, yelled. That's all right. I can take it. I'm not the Giants. <laughs> but while we're on the topic, if you want to talk about the Giants, the Eli Manning farewell tour out of nowhere with Daniel Jones in a walking boot. You got to love it. Yeah, and as a Giants fan, it feels different than – so like in the beginning of the season when Eli lost those two games and everyone's yelling for, us, for him to get benched, it was because we still had hope. Right. We didn't have a lot, but we had some. Now this team has no hope, so we can get mushy and sentimental and throw our sacrificial lamb out there just to see him out there again. Right? right. Expectations are low now. Yeah, yeah. So if Eli goes out there and throws four picks, we'll be like, oh, look at number 10 slinging the ball. This is great. It will be cute. It will be, and you can't be cute like that in week one, you know? No, no, you can now. You think they'll give him gifts like everybody gave to Jeter? No, because he <laughs> hasn't said he's retiring. He, I don't know, he probably won't be a giant next year, but he thinks he has more left in the tank. He's going to try to yeah, play somewhere else. he's going else. down his old brothers. But I mean, listen, that, that guy could be depending on Drew Locke, and I mean, that guy could literally do exactly what his brother did and go to Denver. Yeah, I mean, I think he's – Probably about the if they if they give a contract to Joe Flacco, they'd probably give a contract to Eli, right? Yeah, why not? So that's a there's there's several possible landing spots for him. I think it's possible he winds up down down uh, in my neck of the woods in Carolina. He could. I think it's possible he winds up depending on where Cam Newton because I, I I'm I'm a I'm a firm 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 Cam Newton to uh, Chicago guy. Okay. I think that's pretty clear to me to me anyway i don't I, maybe i'm maybe i'm crazy i think he'd fit in well there yeah with that offense and the way they like to yeah. to move the pocket and do all sorts of crazy stuff but at the end of the day i mean you go through the league man there's not a lot of landing spots for a guy like eli you you think honestly charlotte or tennessee are, are and chicago are the three places that i could see actively trying to get a new quarterback now, here's a thought. If you look at a couple of plays, do you think Andy Dalton's going to be back in Cincinnati? I do. You do? Okay, so what about what about Miami? Yeah, I, I mean, sure. Wouldn't it be um, fun if Eli Manning in his final year does what Kurt Warner did for him? <laughs> takes the yeah. first half of the year, shows a young kid the ropes, and then gives him the keys to the car. It's possible. I don't. Well, especially with where Miami is now, and and with the way Tua's stock has fallen, um, I wouldn't be shocked if Tua fell to. Uh, he might make it at least to Miami's pick they got from Pittsburgh. Well, I I think at least I think Carolina would draft him, and I know like I'm I'm I, I, this has become like a Charlotte Central podcast, but I I, I think um, if he falls to where Carolina's going to be, and let's not forget they're bad. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's a coach. good chance. I think there's a good chance that they go out of their way uh, to sign to uh, to to draft two if he falls. They could. That's the interesting thing about that Tua injury is the other thing is he's injured. They're still going to need someone. He might not be ready to go week one next year. Right. It was a really right. bad hip injury. Which is why I think a team like like uh, like the Panthers makes sense. 
Yeah, someone that can bridge that gap at least until he's ready to go. Yeah, uh, and, and I mean, like, like the it, it's it's strange because when you look at the bottom dwelling teams, right? The Cardinals aren't going to draft a quarterback. No. The Falcons aren't going to draft a quarterback. No. The Lions aren't going to draft a quarterback. No. The Giants aren't going to draft a quarterback. No. The Redskins probably aren't going to draft a quarterback. Probably. We don't know. Here's the Chargers might draft a quarterback. They they could explore that. And the Jaguars might draft a quarterback. Yeah, they can cut loose Nick Foles. The Bengals might draft a quarterback. The Bengals might. I think they should. They uh, clearly. I think they should as well. Clearly, the they Dolphins have nothing well. worth. Uh, Driscoll's not the answer there. Is it Driscoll in uh, who started? No, that was Detroit, right? Yeah, that's Detroit. Well, now they're on their third in Blau. Yeah, right. See, I can't remember his name, but whoever was starting when when Dalton was out, he wasn't getting it done. Oh, uh, um, I uh, nope, nope. Oh, geez, why am I not remembering? All right, hang I on. Was, uh, hold on. Who's gonna get it first? It's not AJ McCarron. This is an. Oh, old we got a, We got a vamp. We, we're not vamping very well. Oh no. Oh no! Is right. This is why is it so hard to locate? I don't know. What the freak is this guy's name? Oh, I remember who picked him up. It wasn't Ryan there. Finley? Yes, it was Ryan Finley. Oh, he's so forgettable. Well, yeah. Yeah. Not shocking. So that that could yeah they could certainly draft a quarterback. I don't know how much longer. Um, how much longer Dalton's going to be the guy there? Not very long, but potentially long enough. I mean, it's all just kind of conjecture. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's all you can really. I don't know. Anyway, it, the the point of that exercise was to say that there's four conceivable teams in the Bengals, the Dolphins, the Jags, Panthers. Uh, uh, well, I was talking bottom dwelling. Okay. Uh, Chargers. Yes, Panthers. Charge. Uh, sorry, Bengals, Dolphins, Jags, Chargers. I think are the four most conceivable teams to draft a quarterback. Right, but they're probably. I mean, the Bengals probably taking Burrow. Right. So that's the thing. Like, this, 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 so the Bengals pick is done. Right. Yeah. Even if the they Dolphins. fell to two, the Giants aren't taking Burrow. Right. And they're not taking two. So, like, it, it's it's all a fascinating I, – I, I think it's possible that Tua, because of his injury, falls to a team like the Panthers, and I think they take him instead of letting him slide to the Dolphins' second pick in the first round. Yeah. Because the Dolphins would be doing dances if he does. Yes, and they should because that, that would have worked out exceptionally well. And I, I got to be honest with you, I think that they were thinking it was going to work out like that when they made the deal because the Steelers are bad, but they keep accidentally winning. And Basically. it's probably really annoying the Dolphins. <laughs> still, it's still an extra first round pick. Yeah, but uh, I mean, a 20th is not the same as a 13th. No, but I mean, they could always, they've they've got enough draft stock, they could trade up if they really wanted to. Right. If they wanted to. And maybe they do. I don't know. Maybe they do. All right. Why don't we talk about some teams that don't suck? Sure. Like my fantasy team? Uh, can't. I don't know how to break <laughs> this to you. 
<laughs> Playoffs, baby. <laughs> All of it went right, Rob. Oh, it did. It was it? incredible. Can you believe it? It only took a little bit of collusion. There was no collusion. <laughs> Telling a man to update his roster is not collusion. I guess. I did it all season. But leaving guys on the waiver wire semi on purpose for him to pick up? Well, I could have used him. He could have. And then he got hurt, so it's a good thing I didn't pick him up. And actually, ironically, it worked out. It it, it actually would have been better off if the other guy hadn't made those moves. (laughs) He'd left like seven points on the table. Which was horrifying on Sunday night when Brady and – Hopkins weren't doing anything. Yeah, during the first half, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Luckily, Tyler Lockett like didn't even play on Monday, so it didn't matter. But yeah. um, like it was targets. horrifying. It was horrifying, Rob, watching Brady and Hopkins not do anything. I mean, especially Brady. Like, talk about it, man. It, is this it? Is this where it's finally happening? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I forget who tweeted it out, but there's the. Um, the stats, right, that Brady has since week six or, or I something. Think, you know, I saw the same thing since week four. Brady yeah. versus Trubisky, nearly yes. identical. Yeah, and that's not good. You don't want that. No. So, I, I mean, yeah, I, I think it's pretty clear that he's toast. I mean, he was kind of toast uh, last year, too. But he's you mean old. when he won that's... the Super Bowl? That's the thing. They're going to make the playoffs. They had a cupcake schedule. Is it going to happen again? Do I have to watch him in another Super Bowl? I don't think so, but maybe. <laughs> right? Come on. I actually, I honestly think the Bills uh, can beat them to win the division. I don't. I don't. Th- I mean, they could if they won, then they they'd have an avenue there. I'm. I don't know. It's the Bills. The Bills have the easiest strength of schedule in the entire NFL. <laughs> So yeah, that, we've talked about this, and I, I'm still not high on the Bills, but I'm much lower on the Pats than I am on the Bills. I'm with you on that, too. I think the Pats are very not good. I think their organization is great, and they always, like, they, they and obviously Bill Belichick is Bill Belichick, and they find a way to make things work, but they're not good. So, like, that, that just is what it is. Yeah. Like, you should not be afraid to see the Pats on the schedule. If their defense doesn't score a touchdown on you, you win. You at least should win. Yeah. So, like, yeah, you're fine. So so then in the AFC, it turns into, I mean, it's got to be the Ravens number one there, right? Yeah. I, I think Ravens are, are a hard number one. I, I don't think that's much for debate, right? No. I mean, they straight up beat the Patriots, so no matter what point you wanted to make. Yeah, and then they went ahead and they beat the Niners, who are a freaking wild card team right now. Yeah, that's that's incredible. <laughs> it's crazy. I, you got to feel for them too, man. <laughs> I look, the Seahawks got hot. They beat them once. Look, the Seahawks and the Niners are playing in Week 17. That's going to decide which one of them is a wild card team. And either way, it's nuts. And the best part about it is, it's not even going to decide which one of them is a wild card team. It's going to decide which one of them doesn't have to play the next week. Yeah. Because that other team is getting a bye. Yeah, a one so or a one or two seed based on what uh, what New Orleans does. Right. So like that's number one, awesome for either one of those teams, but it's also really sucky for the other one. So that is going to be a crazy game. That's going to be like, I don't know how the rest of the races are going to play out, but there aren't a whole lot of races this year in the NFL. Week seventeen, 
Seahawks Niners is going to be must watch television. Yeah, and the fact that one of those teams is going to have to play in a wild card game kind of stinks. It does, but I mean, what are you going to do about that? I'm not. I'm going to watch it. I mean, even if you went with, if you wanted to just see them based on overall record and forget the division winners, I don't know for sure that that the Saints wouldn't be a one or two seed. The only difference <laughs> is they'd be home as a three seed versus on the road as a five. Right. I, I um, I the Saints are good. Uh, I'm not a I'm not a huge Saints guy. Although I know their defense has been much better than like everybody and, thinks, and they're a good team. They were winning games with Teddy Bridgewater at QB. So, look, yeah, no, they're not sure. getting they're not getting a ton of attention. They're going to be a team I think that sneaks up on people in the playoffs and makes some noise. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, that's just what the Saints do, though, too. So, like, they're always uh, just as much as um, like the. Uh, Oh, geez. Like the Patriots are like the annoying, like, go, oh, we might win the Super Bowl again, guys. The Saints are the same way in that uh, we'll probably go to the Super Bowl. Except they don't go to a lot of Super Bowls, but, but they're in it. They go to a lot of NFC Championship games, it feels like. Yes, that's what I mean. Like, they're the guys who, like, always are in it. Yeah. Well, you know, historically we say, well, Drew Brees is great, and he is, but it's – the last two years, it's been the team around him has been so good. That's what kind of elevates them from playoff team to title contender. Right. Makes enough sense. All right. What else oh, in the we NFL? Might, we might have um, might have a little more breaking news here on the on the Nosebleeds podcast. More? What do you got? It looks like Charlotte, the city of Charlotte, is going to get an MLS expansion team. That's something. Let's see. Let me. Uh, let I'm, me not a, uh, I'm not a big MLS fan. Not a big soccer fan. But uh, mine, me neither. But, but hey, you know the I people. Mean, the people who like soccer love soccer. Yeah. Yeah. So here we go. Uh, a formal announcement expected on Friday that the MLS is awarding a new franchise to Charlotte. Cool. So that's fun. Yeah. Made request. Oh, geez. Oh, God. They're shutting down the streets on certain days now. Oh, now that I'm looking at it. And suddenly uh, Ken has soured on this deal. Here we go with the soccer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> here um, we go with the soccer. All right, whatever. Um, but that's cool. I guess I'm a soccer fan now. Okay. That's cool. I could I could like soccer. Sure. Sure. Now, anything soccer. else? Anything else on American football? Uh Lamar Jackson's the man. Kind of talked about the Ravens already. Yeah, Lamar Jackson's Lamar Jackson. He, yeah, I mean, sign up the MVP already. That's done. Yeah, I think so. By the way, uh, and, I, and I've said this to you, um, I think, personally, but not on the podcast. How did I get <laughs> Lamar Jackson in round 12 of our fantasy draft? Yeah, I don't really want to talk about it. Round 12? It's, it's not right. It, it's not right that that happened. How did not just us, but 10 other – functioning football fan adults get this so wrong. Yeah. 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 Regardless of whether I took him or not, he went 12 rounds. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. That should not have happened. uh, And that saved my season. My entire team is Lamar and Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. Well, that's, um, that's not a bad situation to be in. It's not. No, I, 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 
I should make the playoffs even if I lose this week. I did some math. I would have to lose and then someone, I think the team in fifth place would have to score like 90 more points than me. 90's a lot. but I Plus I'd week, have to lose and they'd have to win. Last week there was a game that finished 66 to 55. So it's definitely yeah. possible. Yeah. And I, of course I wasn't in it. So don't worry about me. Thank goodness. Um, so I, I, let, let's let's wrap this up. We, we want to get to Seth. Uh, Seth is uh, he's waiting in he's studio. He's waiting patiently. For us. He's he's such a great waiter. So, well, I mean, is he? Do you have to tip him too? Um, so it's uh, really quick. We've talked about Gamblers Anonymous, the fantasy league, the two quarterback league that we're in. Yep. I had some magic happen, and I made the playoff. We're, we're all very happy. We popped the champagne in the locker room with the guys. Everybody was feeling good. But now we actually have to play in the playoffs, and that's not as good um, because we are bad. My team is bad. Um, I'm fully aware of this. I, I, I don't pretend to not be bad. But I do think there's a chance that we could uh, accidentally win. I, I think that's more than possible. It happens. So, happens all the time. It happens to a lot of folks. Um, so, so here's the thing. I, 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 I've, I've got um, my boy uh, Sam Darnold going as my QB one this week um, up against uh, the Miami Dolphins. So that that's a good that's a good matchup, right? So we're we're not mad about that. And that that could be conceivably a QB one across the NFL. So like that's I'm cool with that, right? Yep. So the second quarterback spot is um is not great i did drop the duck i dropped the duck okay um because well i don't know why i dropped the duck actually why'd you drop the duck he looked good i think i dropped the duck because was he throwing ducks no because i i i I, um i maybe didn't get the waiver priority that i wanted and we'll talk about that in a minute yes um but I didn't get the guy I wanted, so like the uh, so the wrong waiver went through. So he was on the drop because I wanted them both. You know what I mean? Uh huh. So I think I ended up dropping the duck. I may pick up the duck, <laughs> uh, because you know me and my waiver priority, we don't get along so well. Not not really, no. Um, so the duck might be coming back. But here's the thing: is it the duck against Arizona? Is it mm. Blau? against Minnesota or is it Drew Locke who didn't look bad against Houston Oof. I like the duck if it's those three options well don't forget Eli Manning's around uh, it's either the duck or it's Eli but I don't know what to expect out of Eli this week yeah me neither I don't think I could conceivably go with Eli and feel good about myself no so you think the duck is the right way? Yeah, Arizona's secondary has been terrible. All right. Well, I can't add. I swear to God, if you pick him up, I'm going to freaking kill you. I understand. And we'll talk about that. You. We'll talk about that later too. So I have to wait until this guy's waiver period ends because I dropped him. And then I, I can don't pick know, Ken. It's a two QB league. He might not be there if you wait. I can't. I can't. There's nothing I can do about it. You could try. Well, you had the lowest waiver priority. No, I. I can't. I dropped it, so I can't re waiver oh, claim. Really, it. you can't do that? No, it says I gotta wait. 
I didn't know that. Not that anything I do as a commissioner matters. You know what? I guess I've I've never, I guess I've never dropped someone that I wanted back that quickly. (laughs) Must be nice. Um, So then, so here you go. So here's the real question. My two running backs and my flex spot, Rob. Uh, it's not good. It's a problem. Who you got? Devonta Freeman has to play, and that's fine. He catches enough passes to make it fine. Who's Atlanta have this week? Carolina. So okay. it's not like Carolina's good or anything. Like yeah. that's not a con- that's not terrible. So here's uh, here's problem. Devonta Freeman, Carolina. That's that's my RB one, which yep. is problem in and of itself. Sure. RB2. You've got Bo Scarborough. Mm. You've got Benny Snell, and Connor is is still noncommittal to playing or not playing. So right now Snell's on the bench. Okay. If Connor doesn't go, I'd consider throwing Snell back in there. Me too. And then you have Latavius Murray, who I do not trust. No. You have Tevin Coleman, who I do not trust. Who's San Fran got this week? New Orleans. Oof. And you have David Johnson, who you're not allowed to trust. No. Although he actually touched the ball last week. He did. Not didn't do anything, but he touched He didn't it. do a whole lot, but he like it was given to him and he like, you know, fell forward a few times. And then here you go. Here's the here's the kicker. You ready? Is this a literal kicker or a figurative kicker? A figurative gotcha. running back kicker. Okay. It's Kareem Hunt? No. Oh, God, Rob. <laughs> it was too easy. Um, Patrick Lair. Ooh. Well, Bollage is out in Miami. He's on IR. Yeah, Balage is out. Is that how you say it? Yeah, it's Balage. It's weird, right? I really want it to be Bollage. It's yeah, a much too. better name. It's not. I wanted it to be, but it's just not. Balage. Good to know. I'll yeah, I got you, bro. Never remember that. Um, so he's out, and this guy catches some passes. He does some stuff, and they're playing the Jets. And they're playing the Jets, and they and Miami weirdly didn't look bad against a better team in Philly last week. Right. So maybe I go Freeman Laird. Yeah, I think so. And then uh, Benny Snell could be your flex if uh, Connor's out. But right now I have Scarborough in there. Yeah. Until we figure out about Connor. Agreed. Fair? Yeah, I'm with you. And now here's the big question. There's well, another. Just, there's another one. Yeah, there's always another one because all these guys are so interchangeably uh, bad. Hot. Yeah. Yeah. So like it's it's all whatever with with all these guys. Um, obviously Evans and Woods play in the wide receiver spot. Absolutely. Curtis Samuel, does he get the third spot? Or do we look for a guy like Zach Pascal or Randall Cobb or Chris Conley? Ooh. Uh, oh. All boom-bust options here. Yeah. Who uh, – because Samuel got a lot of looks last week. And he's playing Atlanta. Yeah, that might be my favorite there. Conley has the Chargers. Yeah, but you got to remember, Jacksonville just made a quarterback change. They're back with Minshew. 
and they've got three receivers who all like get targets. So like, yes, that's why Conley's my least favorite. To yeah. be quite honest, um, John Ross is back for Cincinnati. Uh, that could, I mean, geez, that could be a big one. Yeah. But I, I don't know where his like conditioning is. You know, after being out for so long. Granted, he only broke his clavicle, so he probably like stayed in shape. But that's a tough one. Lazard, Cobb, Pascal are are three other options other than Samuel. Does anybody really like uh, uh, inspire you more than Curtis Samuel, though? Not really. No, not at this stage of the game. Yeah, that's kind of where where my thinking is. If they're not if they're not making me pick them up right now, yeah. Then, then I should just stick with Sam. I think so. All right, there we go. All right. Hopefully, get the duck. We'll see. All right, maybe maybe you get the duck and round everything out. All right, that'll do it for fantasy. That'll do it for football. Uh, let's take a quick break. Let's get Seth mic'd up in here, and uh, we'll talk a little baseball hockey, huh? Sounds good to me. Let's do it. All right, we're right back on the nosebleeds. All right, welcome back to the Nosebleeds. We're joined now by a very special guest. It's Seth Rothman in studio with us. We're uh, we're here to talk about some baseball, some hockey. Seth, thanks for having me, guys. No problem. Welcome to the Nosebleeds. Our first guest, episode five. I'm That's glad not you, bad. Glad you chose me. Seth is a trivia answer in the future. <laughs> it's a really sad trivia that you're at. <laughs> Um, all right, so let's get into it. We're going to start talking about some MLB free agency. And, guys, things are actually moving. Well, not really. I mean, Zach Wheeler only had to drive two hours down the road. Well, you know, not that kind of moving, Ken. <laughs> no, Wheeler dropped. Hamels went to uh, the Braves. There's a couple other minor things going on. But, you know, it's we were expecting kind of this, this cold, cold stove. Uh, after last off season, I think it's kind of uh, at least the the early dominoes are starting to fall a little bit earlier this year. No, yeah, Robert. I mean, I think what what you're saying, right, is is last season it took us until March to get some of these guys signed, and there has been movement among some bigger people earlier this off. I mean, we're not even at the winter meetings yet, and Wheeler's off the board, Hamels is off the board. You actually, I'm a little bit surprised Wheeler's already off the board because whoever mm-hmm. loses out on Cole and Strasburg. Wheeler was going to be your next option. And you wonder, could there have become a bidding war for him had, say, the Yankees miss out on Cole, Strasburg goes back to the Nationals like everybody thinks, Wheeler's kind of the next best option. So I was a little bit surprised to see Wheeler sign as early as he did. I was a little surprised too, and, and Ken, you can weigh in on this too. I, I wonder if Wheeler's camp was a bit worried that they, the teams wouldn't want to bid against themselves once he's the last guy standing. Yeah, I, I actually I, I think it's more of a symptom of the Phillies saying, you know, we're not going to be in on call. We're not going to be in on Strasburg. We know we need one more. Here's our budget. And a guy like Wheeler was readily available. And like I said, two hours up the road, right, pitching for a team that they face, you know, 20 times a year. 
uh, they know about Zach Wheeler. They've seen him. They know what he's capable of. And they said, listen, he fits our budget. Let's go make that happen and not wait for a team like the Yankees to miss out on Garrett Cole and then come knocking on Wheeler's door with an extra 20 mil. So uh, I think the Phillies were extra proactive. I, I don't know if it is a good thing that they were extra proactive, but I mean, Zach Wheeler is more than capable of, of pitching in the major leagues. And that's a guy who's going to net them a couple extra wins over the next couple of years. But I mean, that's, that's, I think for the Phillies was well worth their time to just go out and say, listen, we're not going to go get one of the big fish. We're going to, we're going to need this guy anyway. Let's just go get him now before somebody comes in with an extra $20 million. Yeah. And Ken, I think to your point, right, that it does seem like the Phillies paid a lot of money for Zach Wheeler. I mean, five for 118 is the deal. That's a lot for Zach Wheeler. And I think that's more than what a lot of people were expecting he was going to get. So he got certainly, uh, he probably felt, listen, at this point, this is more than I was expecting. I'm going to take this deal right now. Yeah, I think uh, I think MLB trade rumors projected him at just over a hundred million on the contract. Interestingly, though, if you want to compare what the Mets have given out, Jacob Degrom's extension was the same number of years and twenty million dollars more over five yeah. years. So Zach Wheeler's expensive now. So uh, I mean, I mean <laughs> Wheeler's expensive at the same time. Thank God for the Mets that they locked out to locked in Degrom before he hit the open market. What would he have gone for? Uh, yeah, but a lot well, more. <laughs> but that's the, a ton. And, yeah, and that's what free agency is, though. I mean, you have to overpay to get guys because, you know, there's five teams in on Garrett Cole. There's four teams in on Strasburg. There was a whole bunch of teams in on Wheeler. Uh, Hyunjin Rio's going to get a nice chunk of change as well. Like, there's only so many of these guys to go around, and if seven yeah. guys want five pitchers, five really good pitchers, there's going to be some teams left out in, in the uh, you know cold here. Seth? You're a Yankees guy. I'm interested to hear your your thoughts on Garrett Cole. I, I know they had a big, long meeting, right? What was it, like four hours, some something crazy like that? Better than the 40 minutes they spent with Machado, right? Um, but <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm They went out for curious. dinner. They gave yeah, him a sure. very nice dinner. I want that money They back. left after appetizers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious to hear, like, where, where do you think his – he says there's no West Coast bias, but I gotta be honest with you. I think there's a West Coast bias. Yeah, well, and I, I want to preface this by with a disclaimer that I work for the Yes Network. And that being said, I do not have inside knowledge. I don't talk to Brian Cashman. I don't talk to Randall Levine. Other people Fair in our enough. company do, but I do not. So I just want to say that um, out front. Um, this off season for the Yankees right now feels different. It feels different than last off season. Absolutely. Last off season, all the reporting was. The Yankees were lukewarm on Harper. In fact, they didn't even want Harper, and they were lukewarm on Machado, and they were not going to go big game hunting. This offseason, all the reporting is indicating, whether it's Sherman, Passan, Rosenthal, everybody is indicating that the Yankees are in at the highest levels on Garrett Cole. It is difficult to turn the Yankees' money down when they are throwing it around, and they certainly appear Mm -hmm. like they are throwing it around at a level they were not last offseason, let's just be honest. So um, I don't know what to make of it. Is there a West Coast thing with Garrett Cole? Maybe. Gun to my head, I think he probably does not sign with the Yankees. But would it surprise me if he signed with the Yankees? No, because they they will give him the best chance to win, uh, better than the Angels, right? I mean, the Angels are putting a nice team together, but they are not ready to win right now. 
like Garrett Cole is. I saw one report that um, Cole is concerned about his, you know, legacy. Well, one way to burnish your legacy is by going to a Yankees team that was close, and you will have three or four or five kicks at the can at winning a World Series. I don't believe yeah. Cole has won one yet. No. Uh, so, no. So this is his chance. If he signs with the Angels, that's a big question mark. Will he ever get there? I know the Angels are spending money, but they yeah, yeah, best they, case halfway through that deal they might be a playoff team. They're not close. The Yankees Robin Seth, I hate to cut you off, but you know, and Robin and I talk about this all the time. Because we're recording this podcast in the middle of the day, there's always a chance for some breaking news. The, and we did, have a little bit happened? of breaking news. Uh, we have a Ken? little bit of breaking news in New York baseball. Break it, it on. Looks, it looks as if, according to Ken Rosenthal and Anthony DeComo, uh, that the New York Mets are nearing a deal to add Jake Marisnik from the old Houston Astros, an old Carlos Beltran buddy, um, who probably uh, is bringing his own trash can to bang on in the Mets' clubhouse. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but We will not uh, tell any Mets trash jokes on this podcast today. Come on. It's the only thing I have, <laughs> Um, uh, Marisnik, uh, not a tremendous uh, offensive player. He's a good defensive player. He is. He's a very good defensive center fielder, which is something the Mets have uh, been dying for. But a little bit of uh, potential breaking news. I apologize for cutting off the Garrett Cole talk, but Jake Marisnik, I mean, does it get any better than that? Very yes. exciting. Yeah, Joel Sherman says Mets acquiring him for prospects, which makes sense. He's sure. he's a he's a you know he's a starter, but not a uh, he's not a high profile not bat. a high profile player at all. Yeah, uh, it, you know what though? Uh, it, as uh, from the Mets side of the coin, you aren't looking for any more offense out of center field. I don't think um, you needed somebody who could lock it down and cover those gaps, especially with. Uh, you know, Jeff McNeil and, and Brent Nimmo covering the other sides or potentially J.D. Davis covering the other sides. Well, the Mets really are just the Astros cast-offs now, huh? Jeez, Luis. Uh, even down, um, to, down to the manager, right? Yeah, down to the manager. We are just the, the leftover Houston Astros. <laughs> A lot of rings on that team. We're taking out garbage cans and going home. <laughs> yeah, everybody's got their own specific can. <laughs> oh, no. All right. Uh okay. Just to wrap up on Cole, uh, you know the, the the message that we've gotten has been the dollars will be there, so it's up to him if he wants to come to New York. I think there's enough motivation to. Uh, as far as the Yankees are concerned, if there's a luxury tax squeeze, maybe they could unload Jay Happ and get a little bit of relief that way. I'm sure people will be interested in him. And, and let's also be be clear about this, um, and don't tweet this answer to me. Um, <laughs> Let's be clear. Any any luxury tax issue that the Yankees have is self-imposed. Yeah. Okay. So so the sure. Yankees the Yankees can afford a two hundred fifty million dollar payroll with the revenues that that they bring in. So so let's just you know all of baseball is doing this. We want fiscal austerity. We're we're trying to be careful. It's BS. And, yeah. and uh, it's not a hard are, salary cap. You can go as far over as you want. There are probably twenty teams in baseball that can afford. I, I would say there's probably 25 teams in baseball that can afford a higher uh, salary uh, structure than what they are playing with right now. Te- these teams are these teams are all uniformly deflating their team salaries for financial gains. So so let's just be well, clear about that as well. That's just incredible to think about, considering how high salaries already are. But but salaries in baseball really have not gone up that much over the last 10 or 15 years. 
The Yankees had a $200 million payroll in 2000, in 2005, yeah, whatever it was. Definitely. Well, they were They're hovering right around there. the same point yeah, right there. That's true. So, so salaries have not gone up. Revenues have gone up, right? Yes. People are buying yeah. tickets. People are buying hot dogs. People are going to the games. People are watching it on TV. The Yes Network has had huge ratings for the Yankees the last couple of years. People are watching, but salaries are not going up. So that yeah. is also a point that I think needs to be made. That's a microcosm sure. of America if you wanted to get to it. Well, if you well, wanted to get political. Well, I mean, we only have 45 minutes here with Seth. But, uh, you know, on top of that, I, I think, Seth, to your point, I think a lot of times we, we only talk about just pure profitability and revenue when we talk about baseball teams and, and what they can afford and how much money they're making. Let's not forget about the just general appreciation of owning a baseball team, right? Uh, the New York Mets, uh, who who are in the process of potentially being sold right now. Woo! <laughs> I know. Please, please do cheer, everybody. We really, please. Little, if we if we want to stick with the the, the uh, politics commentary, I give you a little Jeb Bush. Please clap. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, you know. At the same time, it's not about the hot dogs. It, right? It, of course, the hot dogs and the tickets all go into their pocket as well. But the pure appreciation of owning the Mets was something like $145 million a year just because they own them. It's the same thing as owning a house. You know, you're not even if you don't do any renovations to the home, odds are your value is going to go up just because you own it. So uh, the, the idea that these teams can't afford to pay a luxury tax or – don't want to pay Mike Moustakis for more than a year. I mean, granted, now he's got the four-year deal, but it's it's silly and it's um it's annoying because rich people pretending they're not rich makes me want to jump off the house. And and the the, the thing that has confused me the most, uh, you know, Ken is 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 fans have bought into well, they're just being smart, right? Yeah. These teams yeah. are just being smart with their money. The goal is not to be smart with your money. The goal is to win a World Series. And last season, there might have been 22, 24 teams in baseball that had no interest in winning. Yeah. Some of these teams literally were trying to lose last year. Well, now this is the whole conversation of is that the goal anymore? Are they running it too much like a business where the goal is just to make money? And if you can run your organization on a lower salary – then why wouldn't you? But because because the goal is to win, and if you're winning, you will bring in more fans, and if you bring in more fans, what happens? You make more money. So it's you will investment. make you will you you will save money by losing a hundred games. You will mm-hmm. make money by winning a hundred games. How are the Yankees the most profitable team in baseball? Because they win every single season. Well, even when because they, they have winning, not had profitable. an they and they have not had an under five hundred season since nineteen ninety two. I think it is or, 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 or ninety three. Right, definitely early nineties. It's been twenty five years. They've had a winning season every single season. Can you Gee, just tell me what that's like? It, it's it's nice. It's kind of boring at this. point. Yeah. Well, no, I don't want to say that. But like, <laughs> all right, Rob. But in all seriousness, that's the goal. That's how you make money. That's how you become the most profitable team in American sports is by never having a losing season. The Yankees have not had a losing season since I was in kindergarten. Oh. Was that a rant? Oh. That, that might have been a rant. Oh, we're, all, a we're, we're about the spicy takes here. That's fine. Rothman rants? Love it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that could be a segment, but you'd have to pay us for it. Ah. All right, so let's let's. Just I'm wrap I'm up. I'm, yeah. I'm artificially in, in deflating salaries though, so that's not going to work. Uh oh. 
so, so more to the point, what does this Mets sale really mean for the franchise? Number one, it means that pointing man is going to play center field if Marisnik ever misses time. Um, have you guys heard about pointy man? I understood that reference. Yes. Oh, thank you, Steve Rogers. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, listen, this is cool. I mean, it's, it's exciting times. Listen, is this guy um, a certified POS for, like, being a ghoul and avoiding jail time and, and like, avoiding uh, FBI investigations? Yeah, he's probably not the guy I'd want my daughter to date. Well, I mean, he's rich, so, like, maybe. <laughs> maybe a little. If, yeah, uh, maybe yes, but that's a maybe. I also don't have a daughter, so it's hypothetical. Rob. You would be a better uh, consensus taker on that. One. You know, you'd learn to love him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, as long as you bought me a boat every year and took them away, because I don't know how to use a boat. I just would sit. Be irresponsible. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, listen, the guy's kind of a jerk. He's kind of a pos, but but who cares? He's, yeah, if he's you buy not me a, a championship, dude, all is forgiven. If you buy me pointing, man, I'm not in. I, like, I'm out. I'm pointing, man. But if this guy goes out and buys me a World Series, like, I, sure, sure, evade as much FBI investigations as you want. As you can. Right. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully it's more than one because you've already done the one. So you have, might have to do it again. Well, so now he's good at it. He's done it. Yeah, no, he's been there, done that. He's um, a seasoned so- FBI veteran. Yeah, exactly. So I'm totally cool with him. I, I mean, listen, the guy literally bought a piece of art for more money than the Mets have ever spent on a player. That's crazy. That's crazy. I, I feel like that statistic will change in the next five to seven years. I'm certainly hoping it will. I, I, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's also one of those things, and this is all kind of tied together. And, Seth, I wonder if you have uh, any any more insight into this. It, it's the the Sterling Group, which uh, is the Wilpons, right? They also are part owners in the new Belmont Arena construction on Long Island for the for the New York Islanders. Because of course you need another arena in New York. You're almost out of options. Hey, we need a soccer so, stadium too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure they'll find a spot like in my backyard or something. Um, in so, Charlotte? Uh, no, no, my old backyard. Okay. Um, so it, it's. And the Sterling Group has so far not paid the money that they're supposed to have paid uh, to get that stadium built. Now, of course, construction is ongoing, but they're behind about a month and a half on their payment. Um, and uh, part of the speculation is that because of the, the Madoff investigation, the, the, the Wilpons had to keep money separate from the Mets than they do with their other investments, XYZ, because they got into trouble, right? Now, they haven't been able to pay the, the, the building fees because that money is separate and they're having a little cash flow issue um, by, you know, by making all these separate sports investments that they're not allowed to use their sterling money on. So it's fascinating. It's all very intertwined and it's all very fascinating to me. You know, Ken, I'll say this as a diehard Yankees fan and as somebody who has watched the Mets, I used to work at Shea Stadium way back when, um, as, as a runner for SNY, um, as a diehard Yankees fan, I hope this guy is what you think he is. I Me hope, too. I, I hope that he provides to you what Mets fans have been yearning for for the last 20 years. Because, and I've said this before, and I say this all the time, whether it's baseball, hockey, basketball, football, baseball in this city is better when both teams are good. 
I remember that 2000 World Series was the most nerve-wracking of all of them because <laughs> there, you could not lose to the Mets. I mean, you had won back-to-back. You had won three and four years. You cannot lose to the Mets. And there was so much buzz in this city over that World Series and so much energy and so much excitement. And and it's just it's a more fun atmosphere. The tabloids are going at it. Uh, everybody's interested. Um, it, it's just so much more fun when both teams are good. And, and I want the Mets to be good. The Mets have never bothered me as as a, as a Yankees fan. The Mets, there's there's fifteen other there, there's fourteen other teams I care about more than the Mets. Every American yeah. League team I care about more than a National yeah. League team, just because they play in the same city. They don't Preach, impact baby. me. So so. Yeah, so like I, I, I want the Mets to be good. I want the Mets to be in the World Series. And I'll say this, I would love it if the Mets were competing for the same free agents. If the Mets and the Yankees and the Angels and the Dodgers were going after Garrett Cole. Because now it's, it's, it's a rivalry. And, and it always should have been like that. They, they've been in the biggest sports market in the world the entire time. They've had these self-imposed... Not not self-imposed, but nearly self-imposed issues with their finances. It's really held them back. Right. I mean, listen, they're they're not the Yankees. They don't make the revenue that the Yankees make. So so they're not at the Yankees level in terms of that. But but they are. You know, uh, l- l- listen, Bernie Madoff. Um, that whole situation really killed the Mets and really killed the Wilpons because they just did not have the cash flow to be able to go out and get some of these guys. And and you forget the Mets were in on a Rod when he was a free agent. Uh, that's how it's changed in the last twenty years. Yeah, uh, up until yeah. then, uh, up until then, they were big game hunting, and they just were not able to do that. And to be honest, it's it blows my mind that the Wilpons were able to hang on to the team as long as, as they did. Yeah, it, it's always been fascinating to me. And like, I'm not like a, um, a, a force people to sell things guy, um, but it it was always fascinating to me that the MLB seemed pretty content in the fact that instead of having two major players in the biggest media market in the world, that they'd only have one and a half. It, it was fascinating to me that the MLB let that go on for so long uh, without kind of saying, uh, maybe uh, maybe you guys should look into maybe getting out of there, please, kind of hurry. Thanks. Yeah, and, and, you know, Ken, I'll say one other thing, too. Like, it's great if, if um, Steve Cohen is going to spend money. The other thing he's got to fix is the – is the incompetence that is ravaging the Mets organization oh, yeah. uh, from the listen, front it's office a culture, to... It's a culture problem. Yes, and, and, and so we can talk about Splash on the Cash, and I hope he does, but there are fundamental issues inside the Mets organization when it comes to PR, the front office, yeah. scouting. I mean, that is, an, that is an organization that has been basically in complete and utter chaos for the last probably 15 or 20 years. So, so you know, it's nice to have a guy who will spend the money, but there are fundamental issues at play as well. Yeah, for sure. And and so, uh, obviously we'll talk about hockey in a little bit. There's plenty more baseball to go around for, for the next couple of topics. But just to kind of put a bow on that one, I mean, you, you see it with the New York Islanders, right? I mean, that that team, that organization was run by – some pretty country club content guys in Garth Snow and, you know, and Charles Wong for, for the longest time. And you go ahead and bring in two, you know, uh, competent and structured and passionate owners in Ledecky and Malkin. 
And the next thing you know, you've got guys like Barry Trotz and Lou Lamorello running the ship. Um, and as much as like I'll sit here and say that Lou Lamorello is probably too old to be in his job, the culture is what the culture is, man. And, and they are doing a heck of a job in turning that that losing culture on Long Island into something that that everybody can be proud of. And I think that's something that the Mets need to do hardcore. And like you said, man, it runs way deep. It runs into the communication staff. It runs into the scouting department and, you know, and who's buying the trash cans to be banged on before the sliders, <laughs> right? Like it goes so deep. Uh, and, and that that is the pinnacle of an organization that needs a culture change. Absolutely. Uh, that was even in my notes for this topic. This is a big chance for the Mets to change the culture of the entire club. Yeah. They can take advantage of it or they cannot. And, and, and you know, you bring up the Islanders, and that's a very good point. The Lula Morellos of the world, the Barry Trotzes of the world, that level of competence, they don't grow on trees. And they're not. And always, they cost money. They cost money, and the, but also they're not always available, right? I mean, you know, right. so, so it's not as easy as you can find baseball's version of Lula Morello. It's not as easy as saying, oh, um, uh, you know, Billy Bean will will come here or whatever. <laughs> like, like it, those guys are not just magically available. So it's it's of course. it's easier said than done. It's doable, but it's not as easy as go find a Lou Lamorello. Right, but it's also about focus and about being sure that that's what you want to do. Right. I mean, in all sports, I think it's especially in baseball now. It's safe to say that teams don't want to spend money on coaching. They just don't. Uh, they're, they're more than happy for the next man up or the former player, right? The former player to come in his first job. So they don't have to pay him like, like they would have to pay Joe Torrey, right? It, like they're ready for the next man up third base coach, bench coach slides in to be the manager. First jobs. There's a lot of first timers throughout the league. Right. And, and, and it's the same thing in hockey, right? Where teams don't want to pay for coach. I mean, geez, the Washington Capitals won a Stanley cup with Barry Trotz and then did not want to give him the money to stay. Mm-hmm. So they said, next man up, bench coach is in, assistant coach. You're, 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 you know, you can do the same thing for, you know, three million less dollars. But that's what it, it's about caring about those things. Uh, and I think the Islanders are a good example of that. I mean, Barry Trotz is one of the highest, highest paid coaches in the league, and it's the New York Islanders, right? Like, let's not forget this is a team that does not make a whole lot of money. Right. Right. But they're going out and putting a focus on those guys, right? Bringing the culture change into the organization. So you're right. It's much easier said than done, but it does take a wallet to make that happen. And I I, I think it's pretty apparent that the Wilpons wallet, as much as we want to malign them, right? The DeGrom resigning is a pretty big deal, right? But at the same time, the coaching staff, Mickey Calloway's, right? The, 150-year-old pitching coaches of the world, right, those aren't the guys that you go say, all right, they're going to change my culture. But they're the, the guys you get because they don't cost as much. Right, and, and the Mets thought Mickey Calloway was going to be that guy too. I mean, he had – I remember his, his introductory press conference. It was, it was wonderful. I mean, the Mets won the press conference as they always try to do, and, <laughs> and then it all went to hell in a handbasket. He is a charismatic man. Not a very it's good just, manager, though. No, not a good manager. Wrong about most of everything he's ever said. <laughs> All right, one more baseball topic. Let's move on. A uh, couple of ballpark dimensions came out yesterday. The Rangers' new ballpark uh, and the Marlins are moving in the fences. Um, 
talk about the Rangers first. Seth, did you see those dimensions? I did. On paper, they didn't look that big. But when you look at the configuration of the outfield, that place is huge. So And, yeah. and, and, and I don't know if you saw this part of it, that um, every dimension is related, is the I number did. of of a Rangers great. Right, so which is cool. So 09, 33, 41, whatever it is, 07, um, are all numbers of Rangers greats, which is cool. That's a nice, that's a cute little, you know, nod to your team's history, you know, because the Rangers have such an amazing baseball history. Um, no, of course. Uh, it's like Pugs Rodriguez, Michael Young, and Nolan Ryan. Yeah, and, and we found some other guys, too. Um, they snuck Jackie Robinson in there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, dimensions don't really bother me. That I don't get that wound up over them. You know, I, I'm a Yankees fan. We've got the short porch and right. Everybody whines about it, and then no other team could take advantage of other than the Yankees, which is bizarre. It me. is fascinating, isn't it? Uh, and I I'm mean, one of those guys, man. Like, like, I'm like, come on, man. I'd kill to play, play 81 games in there. And then and your the team doesn't you know, hit. like, we're there for three games, and everybody's flying out to right field. I'm like, what? what is going on? It's, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and the Yankees are hitting home runs out there, and, and the other teams aren't. And you're like... I don't get this. It's fascinating to me. Yeah, I don't so know how sense. they're the only team that can hit it over the, you know, the, the shallow right wall field fence. wall. Yeah, so I mean, I, I you know I don't really understand that, but so I don't get too wound up over the dimensions. Uh, I'm sure people are going to whine that Derek Jeter is changing things again, which you know he's the owner, he's allowed to. Um, but yeah. uh, you know that's th- th- those are kind of things that to me it's like play the game. You know, it's, here's a, it's, here's a hot take for you, and this one's pretty spicy. This is like chipotle pepper. Mm. Derek Jeter is as bad as his job at owner as he was defensively at shortstop. Yeah, I think he's I, worse. I don't. I don't really. I don't buy. I, I just think people are being unfair with him. I think people have people have always looked for a reason to get on his case, and now that he's no longer playing, well, he hasn't sent me the gift basket, Seth. I'm still waiting. <laughs> Well, listen, if it only took you a bag of chocolates, you, you can call the Marlins front office. I'm sure they can make something happen. Uh, no, I mean, I don't, know if they, I don't know if they have the leftover cash for that right yeah. now. Um, they might not. The Marlins were in such disarray under Loria that this is not a quick fix for, for Derek Jeter. And there is so much in that city, in that area of South Florida, there is so much distrust with the Marlins that anything they do will be seen negatively. Anything Jeter does will be seen negatively by that area. Anything, that organization has no trust whatsoever. They need to build that trust back up. It's really not that they have destroyed baseball in that city. I mean, what do they get, 5,000 fans a game? Like, like that, nobody yeah. nobody cares to go. Nobody wants to give them their money. And that's not yeah. Jeter's fault. That's that's from the previous owner's fault. Yes. So, so I, I well, just... I'm gonna... I'm going to counter that a little bit in that since Jeter bought the team, he's traded away an M- a National League MVP and then traded away the guy that went on to win the National League MVP the next year, plus a couple of other really hot bats. When Jeter bought the team, they actually had a pretty good core. They needed some pitching, and then they'd at least maybe compete. Yes. yes. And, Rob, if I can build off that really quickly, it's it's the same thing, and I, I love to make these – these connections with other sports, it's really, it's just my brain is on fire right now. Um, but it's the same thing with the uh, uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, and their big three, right? Russ, KD, oh, and who's the third one? Why am I forgetting? And and uh, Harden, right? Yep. So Westbrook, Harden, and Durant. 
and they go out and they say, Ooh, we can't pay Harden. We're going to, you know, make moves. We can't pay, you know, we're going to trade Russ. We can't pay Durant, yada, yada, yada. And, and now they have a million draft picks in the next two rounds, in the next, uh, next two drafts, right? That's fantastic. But you can only hope and pray that of those draft picks, you end up with three guys that maybe kind of sort of are as good as Durant, Westbrook, and Harden. Right. And it's the same thing with the Marlins. Like you could, yeah, they're rebuilding. You go out, you trade all those guys, you get the prospects, you get some, you know, get some other assets, get some draft picks even. And all you can do is pray that your outfield one day looks like Yelich, Ozuna, Stanton. And it's crazy to me that you would, that, 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 that you could have that core. And that's a middle of a lineup too. Like it's not even just like three potentially okay outfielders that's like three four five two three four whatever the heck you want and a beautifully you know and a beautiful defensive outfield group as well like those are all stars all three of them and not to mention that's a that's a big outfield not it just got a little bit smaller yesterday but (laughs) it's still a big outfield there but i mean like you can only hope and pray if you're Derek jeter that all the moves you've made can potentially land you Ozuna, Yelich, and Stanton. And odds are you're not going to get two MVPs and another primetime free agent out of it. Well, uh, but you know what, though? I'm going to counter that with this. As of this moment, who got the better end of that Stanton trade? That's arguable because the Marlins did get some salary relief. Giancarlo Stanton just missed an entire season. Giancarlo Stanton... He, you know, I mean, yeah, he, he, I, I still he, want him on like, my team, though. No, I want him but on my I, team, I, too. Don't get me wrong. He's an incredibly fun player to watch. But, like, is he shot? Well, I'll let you know. <laughs> you know, so, like, there's a chance that they actually got the better end of that because Stanton yeah. in 2018, you know, had a couple injuries here and really was not healthy most of the season, but he fought through it. This year, he did not want to fight through it. This year, he was he, he was down. And he did not yeah, come but, back. You know, maybe and, you just need one of those years, though. You know, like, you, you just need one to say, you know, I'm going to shut it down and we'll see where my body's at in a couple months. Like, were, I, I just can't. So, I, I mean, we'll see. I, that's a good question, though. I, I mean, that that's a remains-to-be-seen kind of thing. But I also, like, other than – and Rob even said it. Like, the main asset that the Marlins got for, for that deal is salary relief. And, like, that doesn't help anybody. Right. No, right. But, I mean, so, I, you know, I, I, I guess that's another issue to my point of – Everything that they do is seen negatively. Well, Giancarlo Stanton, that contract could be a gigantic issue for the Yankees going forward here. It could be. He's also and the guy that was putting the butts in the seats in Miami. hundred right. Five hundred foot home runs. He had fifty nine his last year there. A hundred percent. And he had thirty something home runs last year, and then this year he missed. And and listen, hopefully he comes back and he's a monster because that would really help for the Yankees. But but I mean, there there is a non zero chance that Giancarlo Stanton is shot. There is a non yeah, because yeah, guys of that totally size, fair. guys of that size, their careers are not as long as guys who are, who are smaller. They just are not able to hang on. Their knees go. It's why Aaron yeah. Judge. People are worried about him as he gets older as Aaron well. Aaron Judge in five years is playing first base. Well, he should be. I'm saying. I mean, there is a you well, know the age really, but either though, either one. Yeah, I mean, those guys do not have long careers because of just how big they are. So, so that that is you know. Granted, for I mean, three steps from Aaron Judge, he can go from foul line to center field in that stadium. Aaron Judge is a gold glove outfielder. I mean, let, like, he's let's... a massive man. I don't understand how somebody's body gets to be that long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
doesn't make sense. <laughs> and the fact that he was also once a fetus doesn't make any sense. No. <laughs> and I don't get it. I don't. The humans are weird. Like, just in general, number one, we're gross. Number two, we're weird. And the fact that that man was born a human is fascinating. Words of knowledge with Ken Reichman. Oh, man. That's, yeah. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> no. All right. I think with that, it's time for us to get away from baseball for a little bit. Uh, let's uh, let's go over to the National Hockey League for a little. Uh, yeah, let me uh, let me start screaming racial slurs and beating you up on the bench. Go for it. Although, yeah, well, please no, I'm don't. Not going to. <laughs> yeah, no, no, we're going to hold off on that segment. That's for after hours. Gotcha. Um, it's uh, yeah. I, I mean, Seth, you're around the sports world a lot more than I mean. I, I guess Rob is uh, as well. I work for a bank. It's you know. Um, so y- you live in the sports world, Seth. What is like the the overall feeling? Granted, you work for the Yes Network, so maybe there's not a whole lot of hockey talk going on. But I'm just wondering, like, what what the overall sentiment is about this uh, about some of these revelations that to somebody like me and a lot of people who are fans of the sport uh, is not super surprising. This uh, this kind of thing we all kind of knew was going on, but nobody ever said it was. Uh, it was kind of a wink nod deal um, where nobody ever really bought it up. But now that they are, uh, people are starting to face some consequences, losing some jobs. So uh, tell me, like, what, what's the uh, what's the feeling in the sports world? You know, I, I, I used to cover hockey and um, and I never saw stuff like this. Obviously, I, I would have reported it had, had I seen it. Um, but I think if you ask lifetime hockey people, they will tell you they are surprised it took this long for something like this to hit the hockey world. Hockey is insular. Hockey is a lot of people who have been around the sport for 40 years are in positions of power. Um, hockey is a sport that not a lot of people from the inner city play because it's too expensive. Uh, there's very few minorities that are in the NHL. Uh, you can count them maybe on two hands. Uh, so, you know, we have seen... Um, Don Cherry with his bigoted rants before, um, not only bigoted towards race, but bigoted towards people from Russia or people from across the pond. Uh, so we knew that, and and the fact that the league allowed him to keep a voice on its biggest broadcast of the of the week said everything you need to know about the NHL's priorities here. Um, so. I am not surprised that it took the. I am surprised that it took this long to come out. I am <clears> not <throat> surprised that any of this stuff has been happening because, frankly, um, you know, the NHL has an issue with this type of thing because yeah. of how predominantly white the NHL is. Um, so it's it's. Um, I, I think what's kind of crazy to me is how this started, Ken. Like like the the way that this started was. After Mike Babcock got fired, not right. not he was fired because after he was fired, former players came out and said, "Boy, we're you know you know I you hate to see somebody get fired, but if anybody's fired, I'm glad it's him because he was a clown and he did X." And and that's what started this is people come talking about Mike Babcock after he was fired. Mike Babcock's been a coach for twenty years in the NHL. He was thought yeah. of as one of the best coaches in the league. He gets fired from the biggest media market in the league in Toronto, and all of a sudden we we hear about how what a bad person, what a bad coach he is, 
and that allowed um, Akima Leo to to feel the freedom to say, "Hey, hold my beer. I've got a story for you too." And right. and and that's kind of how this whole you know, let's be honest, this is a me too reckoning of the NHL and and but it's 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 interesting to me to see how it actually started. Yeah, uh, for sure. And, and and it's uh you know, and and you mentioned it's following the Babcock firing, right? So it's it's hilarious that uh, the Marc Andre Fleury diving save in Vegas is the is the thing that got this all started. I <laughs> It, it just it, a fascinating turn of events to go from the Leafs losing to the Vegas Golden Knights to um, uh, people speaking out against physical and, and verbal abuse on on the benching in the locker rooms in the National Hockey League. It's, it's a little bit crazy. Yeah, and, and but, listen, and, and, and to be sure, I am very glad that this is coming out now because yes. the NHL has needed to change a lot of things for a very long time. And they're not going to change everything because, as I said, they're extremely, you know, insular and and it's an old boys league unlike any in the rest of american sports but 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 the nhl needs to change some things and and so if 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 this will finally enact some change that is that is a very very good thing yeah i i mean heavy yes heavy agree uh it's it's a shame of course and it sucks that um you know, it's always been hard. I'll, I'll even say, from like a just a general hockey fan's perspective, it's always been hard to kind of defend the sport, right? Um, just one of those things where you know it's like a little bit uh, uh, on the edge of being wrong a lot of the time uh, with a lot of the stuff they do, um, and a lot of the the people who are involved in it, and a lot of the people who work in it, and a lot of the people who are around it and live it, um, they all add up to that culture, right? It, it doesn't just happen because uh, you know uh, Bill Peters is in the league, right? It happens because they all feed into it and they all build off that, right? And so, they all think that it's okay, right? Exactly, and 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 even if they don't think it's okay, they they say, all right, well, it might be might be crappy but it's only a sport it's only hockey it doesn't actually matter right like it's one of those things um where they get to kind of like say to themselves that it doesn't actually matter in the grand scheme of things when it does right i I mean this is this is a societal issue as much as it is a hockey issue right so um it, it sucks that you have to hear about it it sucks that it happens but it's nice that we're finally acknowledging the fact that it does and I mean, the takes that I've seen, I mean, I'm sure you've seen them too on Twitter and, and throughout the, right, the, the wimpification, and I'm sure they don't use that word, but uh, the wimpification of hockey now and how it's just a, it's for little boys and then nobody can take a hit or, um, or be a, be a man about it. And it's like, yeah, uh, you, sir, Mr. Accountant on Facebook. What would it be like if your boss beat the crap out of you when you mess up your your P and L, you know, Excel document, you jackass? Like you would one hundred percent quit the next day, or get him fired. Like it's it, it's all these like beer league tough guys mm-hmm. on the internet now who want to say like, oh, it's just like you know everybody's being a baby and nobody's a man anymore. And you're like, yeah, dude, like good luck when your boss starts beating the crap out of you. Uh, at, at your office job, which you sit in traffic for all day long, but then they get mad because the millionaires get mad too. So it, it's it's annoying, um, and it's part of this overall culture shit. And I don't think it's just hockey, right? I mean, we've been kind of alluding to to society and the politics of it 
uh, politics of sports for the for the whole podcast so far. But it's true, man. I mean, it all goes hand in hand, and it's 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 one of those things that we're facing in real life, and now we're facing in the sports world as well. And so, for everybody who wants to keep pretending like sports is this big escape and real life doesn't matter in sports, uh, you're wrong. It, it it does every day. It matters. Uh, really, your actions matter all over the place. And and Ken, to me, it feels like hockey's kind of been. Uh, you could argue the NFL, but has been kind of late to the party in, in getting yes. that point. I mean, you look at how the culture in baseball has changed. Like, beanball wars don't really happen anymore. Uh, banks clearing brawls once in a while, but who lands a punch? Um, the NFL has uh, had so Lugnet many. Lugnet Odor. He does. And you know what? That was awesome. I will defend that <laughs> until the day I die. Uh, the NFL's had rule changes to, to kind of cut down the roughness and. And, and, you know, had they've had changes in how they run training camps to try to keep everything uh, a bit more safe for the players. The NHL, it's time for them to catch up. You know, I think yeah. the sports world has accepted these changes in the other sports for the most part. Obviously, a few guys on the Internet are going to disagree. Uh, but it, who cares okay. about them? Exactly. It's okay to get there now. Yeah, and, you know, the, the thing with the NHL that I think we've seen a change in is, is how many fights do we see in, in the NHL now? That is going down. Very, very few. I mean, you see, you know, there there, there used to be multiple fights a game, and now um, there's very few fights in the, in the NHL these and days. And even so, when so they that's do fight, when they do fight, no one knows how to fight anymore. It's it's listen, it's a start because the the NHL has been a little bit ahead of the NFL when it comes to the concussions issue. This but is true, it, but it hasn't been been great, and and it has really not. Um, um, answered the questions the way that it should so so it, you know it's a start the the nhl is starting to get a little bit younger um and hopefully that can continue because that's what it needs to move forward yep big time big time big time big time and uh, if i could throw a little bit of levity into the situation we have some more breaking news on the pocket it's a very exciting time Ooh. um not as uh, not as important as Jake Marisnik, and if it's even less important than Jake Marisnik, so it's probably not that important. But go on. Yeah, that's the kind of news we're talking about here. Uh, it's from the New York Post. Uh, they put it up uh, on Twitter about 50 minutes ago, um, and it it is a uh, nymphomaniac duck has his traumatized penis removed after nonstop sex. Just to be clear, we're not talking about Duck Hodges, right? No, we're talking about a real life duck. Good. Why is Duck this? It uh... is fully intact. Good. <laughs> Rob, this seems but like something you should edit out. I, is, what I, I, is what I'm gaining I here. Confirm All right. nor deny that Duck Hodges is fully intact, but I I have a suspicion that he is. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you for that, New York Post. Yes. And... Well, that is real life journalism. There. That is a man whose job it is to source that story i really ben hope i really coast. hope that was an intern uh ben cost or coast or cost i'm gonna accost uh, him for writing that piece my goodness. hey oh zinger well done b minus on the pun but i'll take <laughs> what else we got nhl wise uh, can, we, can we seth give me a little bit on these new york hockey rangers uh, for a minute, I, I mean, just a—they're a fun team to watch. I'm an Islanders fan. You know this of me. Um, the, the Rangers are still fun, man. And Hank is is like one of my favorite players in the league. Just a nice guy, good dude. 
uh, never bothered me as an Islanders fan because he apparently doesn't know how to do anything against the Islanders, so that's fine. Um, it just a, a fun team again. Uh, it looks like they're all starting to come into their own a little bit, and they're, I mean, they're right on the bubble. I mean, I don't imagine they're going to make the playoffs, but they're a bubble team, uh, and that's that's got to be pretty cool after what last year was. Yeah, you know, it's it's. Um, I said in our yes, and yes, we have a, a, a Slack channel that we all communicate on, and I said on the Slack channel on, on opening night, the Rangers will win a game this season by a nine eight final score. Uh, that that is something that will happen this season because they cannot defend. They've actually been a little bit better on the defensive end lately, which is why they've they've been winning. I mean, they're they started two and four since that two and four start. As of a couple of games ago, they were on pace for like one hundred and five points. Um, yeah, no, they're playing well. So, so they've actually been pretty good. Uh, before the season started, I I thought that their goal should be to make the playoffs. That that at this point they were good enough that they could make the playoffs. I've wavered a little bit on that here and there, especially if they trade Kreider and and if they do another fire sale. But but um, you know, this is a team that like they've got the Henrik is still Henrik. Uh, he's 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 still one of the best goalies. Uh, he's the best goalie in Rangers history, and certainly one of the best goalies. Oh, he just uh, needs a little more era. maintenance than when he was younger, is all. Needs a little more maintenance, and also needs a defense in front of him. You yeah. know, a lot of the goals that he gives yeah, up are because he's faced a ton of shots. Faced a ton of shots, and and a lot of high opportunity, you know, grade A chances, and and if the Rangers can cut down on those, he will be very very good. Um, <laughs> that's true of almost any goalie, really. It, uh, right, and and. Um, Obviously, well, the you know, Islanders being a prime example of that, right? I mean, right. if we talk about expected goals and and high danger scoring chances against, right? I mean, nobody would uh, I, at the beginning of the season, right? If you close your eyes and you have to pick a goalie tandem, like Simeon Varlamov and Thomas Grice are not your uh, your sexiest option by any stretch. But when you put them in a situation where that you know uh, they're facing high danger chances at a lower rate than most teams in the league, uh, that that'll work out. Right, you know, it's funny. There's a um, there's a chart that I see on Twitter a lot, and it's a chart of shot chances, which we call Corsi, which is an advanced metric. When it basically um, measures all your shots, block shots, missed shots, shots on a goal, and it ranked by team through the NHL. It was a chart. The Rangers um, shots for versus shots against were so low they were literally <laughs> off the chart. Yeah, they, they, they're so, breaking the charts. That, right. That's the Rangers' claim to fame. It reminds me of the, the Doug Waite Islanders, right, when they were just they were just running up and down the ice. Every game ended 6-5 on the, on the losing side of things. Right. But it was just – it was run and gun. It was fun hockey. Uh, everybody, like, enjoyed it. But at the end of it was so incredibly frustrated that you ended up giving up 150 goals in the game. Right. But it, it, the Rangers are legitimately breaking advanced metrics charts. Yeah, no, season. I mean, uh, so, like – from that aspect of it, I've wavered on whether they'll make the playoffs, but I, I do think that like they are good enough that they will be in the race because they've got the high-end talent. Capo Caco is getting better with every game. Artemi Panarin is an absolute superstar. Yeah, uh, I hope you're enjoying him. Oh, it's it's a blast to watch him play hockey. Um, I'm sorry. Was were you hoping to was that was was there was there some level of Unrester. It's um, not my fault. It's Bob McKenzie's fault. Uh, like, I, sure. I, I, like, I was never under the impression that Artemi Panarin would ever sign with. Me. Uh huh. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm not an idiot. No. Like, what am, I, like, it doesn't happen. One of my coworkers at Yes is a out and says it's down to the Islanders and and the Panthers, and I'm thinking, holy crap! Like, this is real. 
one of one of my uh, coworkers at Yes is a gigantic Islanders fan. Pretty much goes to every game when we don't have a, a um, Nets game, and uh, he is so salty about it. It, it is just, oh, it yeah. is. I mean, it is. I, 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 I almost feel bad for him. Then I remember which team he signed for, and I don't feel bad anymore. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I mean, you know, he's fantastic. Jacob Troop is very good. Like, like they've yeah. got they've got that core now, where oh, yeah. it's it's time to start turning things around, and it's time to stop selling your pieces away. Um, yeah, I think this is the last year of that, and I think it's yeah. going to be fine too. And good lord, how hard Chris Kreider should be on the New York Islanders is. Mm going to kill me and, and by the way as, um, as 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 someone you know the rangers prospect pool by the way is yankee circa 2016 right now oh yeah no the, so, yeah, the so like are gonna they be are stanley cup contenders very soon yes i mean they they are they are doing this the right way there's a lot of talent that has yet to come um especially on the defensive end that i think yeah. will help them a lot so so yes they are they're not there yet, but they're certainly getting there. I just wonder if Quinn's the guy to take him to the next level. Well, he was a developmental coach, and and, yeah, and, and so and I just wonder how quick they're going to be to to recognize that. Um, because I think next year the the goal should be right, I, I, and I think you're right on. Like like they they did a heck of a job over the summer. I mean, they won the off season. I mm-hmm. mean, everybody can fawn over the Devils all they want, but I, I thought the Rangers had a much better offseason yep. than the Devils. And at the end of the day, you have to wonder, you know, you go, okay, maybe we compete for a wild card this year, but really we just kind of let, look, we let Heedle, we let Anderson, we get, let Kako, everybody gets kind of used to it. Steerskin uh, comes over, plays in the AHL. Mm-hmm. Everything's going swimmingly, right? Like, that's what this year is. Maybe wild card, maybe not. Doesn't really matter. Next year, though, you're saying we might compete for the top of the division like top three seeds in that division in what is a an extremely crowded division Mm -hmm. mind you and you just wonder how quick the organization is going to be to say okay quinn like your job was to get us to this point now you're you're done you know and you wonder if they're if they'll be quick enough david quinn reminds me a lot of kenny atkinson the Brooklyn Nets coach, and and we thought Atkinson was a developmental coach, and he's turned into something more than that now that they're good again. Last season, they surprised, they exceeded expectations. This season, they've got Kyrie and Katie's coming and, and, and whatnot. So, like, to me, that's sort of the template that I think the Rangers are looking at is what the, the Brooklyn Nets have done. And, mm-hmm. and um, I think they will give David Quinn every chance to be a coach that can win. Um like every coach, I think when you follow a team closely, you disagree with certain things and cer- certain line combinations and all that. Listen, if the you don't Rangers have to give me line combinations, I, I'm telling like, you, I, I, you know, I kneel at the altar of Barry Trotz, but yeah, geez, Louise with the line combos. Yeah, so <laughs> so I mean, you know, and every fan base has those 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 issues. Um, to me, it's not about David Quinn with the Rangers; it's about the front office and how forward thinking they are and. Yeah. And and you know, do they um um you know, is 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 uh is the Glenn Sather way of thinking still what they will be going with and if it is then they're in, in trouble or or are they gonna move past that and, and move forward? So um and, and and I also always think that like line combos and who gets scratched, who plays, that's not only a coach's decision in, in every sport, baseball, hockey 
Um, that's an organizational move. So I don't even look at David Quinn and say, his line combinations are weird. That's the organization doing things as well there. So I think that's important to note as well. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're a fascinating group, and I think you'd say the same for the, for the New York Islanders, who are a weird group, and obviously you know my feelings on them. I think they are – I mean, I love them with all my heart, but they're the least talented group of individuals I've ever seen in my life. But and you know what, uh, though? Right now, they're one of the best teams in, in, in the NHL. Yeah, yeah, it's it's weird. Uh, it's whatever. Sure, I'll take it. You know, like I'm not <laughs> mad about it. Um, but I, I, I I'm nervous, and and I think especially with Lou at the helm, and and we talked about it earlier. I mean, Lou is a culture guy. He's an organization guy. He's a process guy. He knows what he's doing. I don't necessarily agree with his process or what he's doing at, at certain steps, but at the same time, you you wonder are the Islanders complacent with the roster they have in a, in a situation here where they're competing with some of the best teams in the league here. And with a, a, an added piece or two, this could be a legitimate Stanley cup contender. Yeah. I mean, if they aren't already one, I mean, I agree with you. I don't think they are the most talented team in the NHL, but ball don't uh, puck. Don't lie. Uh, I mean, they, yeah, they, no, you're right. They had the, what the 15 game unbeaten streak. Was it? I mean, it's that that's insane. So, yeah. um, now, the other thing I'll always say is the Islanders are always the November champions, and then they always fall down. So, uh, you know, can they can they keep this going? And, you know, my question about teams like that and about young teams that do well early in the season is always, you know, right now in the NHL, teams are not playing at, at the championship level of, of intensity. The Islanders right now are. When other teams match their intensity – um, what does that mean for the Islanders? Are they still good yeah, enough it, to win it's these funny, games? though. I mean, you saw that intensity during that streak, like you mentioned. And, like, once it ended, honestly, the night that they lost in regulation, uh, it, you, you, you felt, like, the kind of sigh, like a little bit of a, a, of, a, of a relief on the Islander side where they didn't have to try so hard the next game. You know what I mean? Like they just kind of yeah. took it easy. No, and and, 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 and yeah, when it, they don't play with that full capacity of of really going for it at all times. They're not good, right? And 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 it can, they're they're pretty bad. You know, the, the the talent just isn't quite there to carry them through a game. They need the structure. They need, you know, they need their passion. They need the the energy to get them through games like that. And right after the streak, they 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 took it easy, and they've lost a few where they've looked incredibly bad um so it's one of those things where you just have to kind of temper your expectations on the islanders are they going to win you know uh 75 games this year no right Right? are they going to win 50 games this year probably in that area but but but, right and 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 my question is can they do it in march can they do it in april you know and and that's always my question with teams like this is well, which is, is why this streak was so important now, right? Oh, because you've got those points banked. You can kind of work on some things. You don't have to play with that intensity every night. And you can say, hey, listen, when you guys play with that intensity, you win 16 in a row, mm-hmm. right? You win 10 in a row and then get points in 16 straight. Like, you, you, you do that. When you don't, you play like this, and this is bad, right? Yeah. As you can see, this is bad. So it, it's going to be fascinating to watch them throughout the season, but it's one of those things where you just – I'm dying. Literally dying for a third line center, and <laughs> all I want is Chris Kreider. I will, ooh, I would do anything for him. 
except give you any more prospects because they're mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, therein lies the problem. Yeah, yeah, I know, and it's much easier for me to do because I don't, I can, only, I get to do it on like a video game and then yep. like turn it off and redo it if I don't like it anymore. <laughs> oh, oh all right, that's Seth good. Rothman. Thank you, man. We appreciate all your time. I think we've we've kept you long enough. No, it's it's been fun, guys. I'll be happy to come back and do uh, it again sometime. Yeah, we broke some news. You know about the duck. You know about Jake Marisnik. I mean, things happen when you're on the pot. Some of these things I don't want to know about. <laughs> well, now you do. You can take that home. <laughs> yeah. You can really, you know, ruminate on it. You can think about it. I'll go back to work later. I'll say, you know, I did this podcast earlier, and I was told about a very strange duck. Before you go, one last question for you. Two QB Fantasy League. I have no quarterbacks, Seth, none. I have Sam Darnold as my QB1. It's not great. Who goes as QB2? Drew Locke? Bad. David Blau? Bad. Or the dark horse, the one, the only, Eli Mann. So I will be honest with you. I am not at all an NFL person. If you asked me to name five NFL quarterbacks, I'm not sure that I could. See, this so, is the thing, Seth. Is they're so all very, very Eli, bad, so just pick a name. Eli Manning is <laughs> yeah. the only one of those that I've heard of. That's Done. fair. Uh, however, I do know how god-awful the Giants are, and I would stay away from any Giant if you're in a postseason game. However, um, this is the return of Eli Manning. Yeah, but Daniel it, Jones out on injury against the Eagles, bad secondary on Monday night. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that uh, um, – I don't think anybody could play quarterback in front of that offensive line. I, I, Probably not. Yeah, so I, I mean – You know what, Ken? Who does, who's Detroit playing this week? Uh – I, I don't know. I because, think uh, Minnesota. Ooh, yeah, no, don't do that. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks, really helpful. <laughs> thanks for eliminating all of my quarterback options and giving me none other. So basically what he's saying is you'd rather go with no quarterback than your second quarterback. Yeah, that's what he's saying, I yeah. think. Hey, you know, I, I started, I I started Nick Foles last week and I had like negative two points, so starting yeah, no one might be fault. okay. Maybe a better option. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Seth, get out of here, man. We appreciate your time. Seth Rothman of the Yes Network. Anything else? Wait, plug your work. Where can where can everybody find you? Oh, yeah, thanks. Um, uh, I'm on Twitter, uh, Seth D. Rothman on uh, Twitter. Our research team puts out a lot of great nuggets if you're a Yankees fan um, or an NYCFC fan or a Nets fan. We put out a, a lot of interesting stuff that I think you'll find enjoyable. Cool. All right, man. Seth Rothman, thank you so much for uh, for jumping on. Thanks for the yeah, thanks. All right, and that will do it for this week on the Nosebleeds. Thanks so much again to Seth Rothman for joining us, talking about some uh, baseball offseason, some NHL. Uh, Ken, this was a this was a long podcast we just did. Yeah, yeah. Our thanks uh, to Seth. Good guy. Lots of fun. Thanks for coming on. We'll do it again soon. Um, we we covered a lot there, Rob. Probably too much. My brain is a little. Uh, a little woozy at the the current juncture. So um, we'll 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 do this. Uh, that was annoying and all that other fun stuff next week when we get back on the pod. Um, just uh, let 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 everybody let them all go to bed. You know, it's been a long time. It's it's been a long. We covered a lot. I think we covered a lot of good stuff. Thanks everyone for listening. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at nosebleeds underscore pod. 
and uh, tweet us some suggestions uh, or or email us some suggestions as well. Either way, we're listening. Uh, email us at podcastnosebleeds at gmail.com. Definitely, definitely. We'd love to hear from you. Also, don't forget to watch The Mandalorian. Oh, uh, yeah. New episode, new episode out tomorrow. So uh, keep wait. your eyes out. Can't wait. And uh, High School Musical, the musical, the series as well. So uh, make sure to, uh, you can tweet at me, at Cashman, about uh, High School Musical, because things are getting drama. All right. With that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, let's get out of here. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time on the Nosebleeds. See ya. Bye.